The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch. And to my left is Cherry, the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you keep keep me guessing. You only Ser- get one. That's yeah. one, yeah. Serena the Edge Edgerton. Hey, y'all. And behind the glass is Rocketman Andy Bishop. Cal. <laughs> we do not have Billy Kimsey today. Uh, he, I think he has something going on. His girls play sports and stuff. And uh, Rick Carter and Ralph Fix, they are probably going to be on this episode at some point. They are stuck in this horrendous traffic that we have in our area. And uh, we're already starting late. So we decided to go ahead and start without them. So if you guys hear, you know, suddenly they start talking, that's what happened. But I'm excited. I've actually been talking about this for over a year. And um, when I was talking, her, her husband uh, does our website. So if you've seen our website, um, and I was on her radio program called Just Put It Out There a couple of two or three different times uh, when we made films and stuff. And so our guest, Kim McClish, is here in the studio. Holla! <laughs> it's so good to have you on my show. Isn't that neat? That is actually awesome. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's been in the works for a while, and I am excited to be here to see you what uh, yeah. what's going to happen. What us crazy people do. Yeah. Well, I asked you a long time ago, like, hey, would you come and share your testimony? And you're like, just name the time. And it just never happened. And then we're updating our website. We're going to have a store now. And uh, Warren's putting a store on our website with all of our gear, swag, as they call it. Um, Merch. Yep. And she was like, so when am I going to be on your show? And I was like, oh, man, that's right. Guess what? Thursday night. <laughs> so here- <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, to tomorrow or after? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, you've probably never heard any testimonies on this show before. So, we have a few questions that we always ask. And I'll, my... Uh, Billy won't be here, so Chair, I'll let you ask that question at the end. Um, but my first question usually is, can you tell me, to the best of your ability, the earliest memory that you have of when you heard the name Jesus Christ? Oh, my gosh. I think I was three months old in my mother's belly <laughs> because I have never heard anything other than that coming from where I grew up. So you I, grew up in a Christian I home. I grew up in a Christian home, and Jesus' name was often used not because of swearing, but because my father and my mother were prayers. Yeah. And there was not a day that didn't go by. Wow. That Jesus' name was not mentioned. And I tell you, it's I, my earliest memory, I could probably say— Honestly, you were like John the Baptist in your mother's womb. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that when when he parted the Red Sea, it was like I, I, I could almost get a glimpse of it. But uh, no, I I can can't really say when I did not hear wow. the name Jesus growing up. I just really can't say when I couldn't. I did not hear it. Isn't that awesome? That is really cool. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, if you will look to your right, our friend straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks, just popped in. So Ralph, this is Kim. Kim, me, Ralph. Good Pleasure. to see you. Yeah, so cool. So she just told us that from her mother's womb, she's heard the name Jesus Christ. She was raised in a Christian household. So there you go. Yeah, it's pretty I know awesome. That's right. Yep. All but day. nobody is born a Christian. No, nobody is. So you were born into a Christian household, but you obviously have your experience, right? So 
So tell me about, tell me your life story. Tell me from the time you start growing up in this home and, uh, you know, oh, when wow. does this happen for you? Well, just to give you a backstory, I am number seven of 12. Oh, wow. Um, and I have five older sisters and I have one older brother. And then the rest of my brothers, of course, are younger than I am. So, um, I kind of grew up with just boys mm-hmm. and I was a tomboy and I would fight. I mean, I had to yeah, pretty much. And, you know, it was more or less, you know, all my oldest, my sisters as the older than I am just kind of went off into wonderland, you know, high school, getting married, well, moving out boys and whatnot. And I was just like, look, I, I, I just want to hang out and play in the trees and, you know, hang out with my brothers. Cause that's what I grew up with. Yeah. But, um, the household was pretty, you know, mom and dad. Um, my grandmother was down the road. I had a couple of aunts on either side of us. So it was like a community. Where now, whereabouts was, was this? This was in a little town called Palmetto in Florida. Palmetto, Florida. Okay. And if you came from St. Petersburg heading to Sarasota, if you didn't stop at the one red light, you missed us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, that was it. It was just a one red light and just like a straight through shot. Um but growing up, we were, like I said, Christian family-based. We ate together, Bible study, church every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, nothing on Friday. Um, you know, so it was nothing for me to hear the name Jesus Christ, you know, mm-hmm. to talk to about to talk about Jesus. I mean, I don't have a problem, as you can tell, yeah. um, speaking his name. Mm-hmm. And if anyone says anything about it, like, yeah, I, you know, I perk up, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, it was a what I thought was normal. <laughs> right. But um, as I grew up and, you know, you get into high school and things start changing. This is in the 80s and I started high school in 83. So um, I, I started hearing other words used with Jesus Christ and it's like, uh, what? Yeah. The heck is going on? You know, it was like, this is not what I'm used to hearing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and as a teenager, you're thinking, oh, this is cool. Yeah, and and I, I mistakenly said Jesus Christ one time at home, but I didn't use it in the content that I was accustomed to. Yeah, and I I I've never heard my mom yell, and she said, "What did you, you know?" She just literally lit into me. Yeah, what like, came out of that mouth? <laughs> you kiss your mother with that mouth. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, but you know, and you know, my life has just been pretty much, you know, twelve kids. Mom and dad, the family things, like leave it to Beaver. Yeah. Pretty much. And, wow. And coming from the African-American side, you don't really hear that a lot. Because mm-hmm. you hear, oh, well, my parents were, you know, mom here, dad there, four different kids. And I'm not stereotyping, but, you know, you had that stereotype of baby mamas and baby daddies and, you know, stuff like that. Right. But we grew up in a community where everyone around us was family-oriented. As a matter of fact, there was 12 in our home. Around the corner was a family of 10. On the back side of us was a family of six. And and there was one across the street a little ways was a family of eight. Yeah. So we all just played together and we all did the same thing with the church. And it was just like. That's just what you knew. That's what I knew. That was life. Yeah. So, can I ask, what did your father do to support 12 kids? <laughs> my dad. Right? I might be looking for a new career. <laughs> Everything he could. Yeah. No, my dad worked for one company, and that was Chris Craft, where they mm-hmm. make the Chris boats. Craft boats. They make boats. Yeah, we had a Chris Craft. He might have made my boat. He may have. And uh, he was a salesman. Um, he actually delivered 
uh, not a salesman, but he actually delivered some of the boats. Um, and he worked at the manufacturing company, which was probably about 25 minutes in a little town called Sarasota. Hmm. And he worked there until the day he retired at 33 years. Wow. And my mom stayed home and raised us until my youngest brother started school. And wow. that was it. Isn't that something? Wow. That is such a, that's something that I miss about our nation. Mm. I agree. I miss it because you and you had, you know, the father could earn enough to be able to, you know, provide right. for his family. And then the mother could stay home and care for the children. Absolutely. And give them that, you know, that sense of family. We did it. Family. Yeah, mm-hmm. you did it. And it wasn't easy, but, but you I had to work. waited tables at night right. when they were asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm. But they always had a parent home, me during the day and, you know, Michael at night. So. Yeah. But it's but even then, it's rare. you had to do yeah. that in I order to, to make it. it. And so, but back then, like, I mean, I'm sure not all of you guys, you weren't like rich, but you had what you needed, right? Yeah, we never <laughs> missed a meal. My parents never. I've never missed a meal either. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> my, Actually, that's look, a lie. We, we missed one on Thursday. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> last week. My mom, I, I she, she shared this story with me many times. She goes, I can remember just standing over a pot of whatever and praying, Lord, just let it be enough. Yeah. And she said she's she actually had leftovers and she couldn't figure out how she got leftovers. Mm. And you know, that's how much she believed. I had that happen that, to me. Yeah. She's like, and then on top of, like I said, all the kids that were in our neighborhood, for some reason they would gravitate to our home. Mm-hmm. So my mom was like, Look, I had 12 kids. I don't need to add any more to it. But they would always gravitate to our home. And I could see why now as an adult, because there was that sense of peace in our home all the time. Even though there was 12 kids, people would come over and say, there's no way children live in this house. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was never messy. It was never, you walk in, it was never, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And pick this up. It wasn't, she kept a clean house. She kept them. I mean, it was like, there was, you can feel the presence of God all yeah. the time in mm-hmm. our home. It was never, I can never remember a moment that I felt like, oh my God, there's some demonic forces here because there's no way, you know, mm-hmm. these people are, Real, you know. Yeah. So and so, so I know you keep a clean house. I've been to your house. You keep I do. A clean, you do, and you're a phenomenal cook. I am. I Thank know. <laughs> Trust, me. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Yeah. So she makes a really great herb encrusted salmon. I, I promise you, it was really, really good. <laughs> but anyway, so I just want to point out that he did say the L. <laughs> I, am I supposed to? Salmon. Salmon. That's salmon. correct, right? Salmon. Oh, is it salmon? It's salmon. Maybe I thought salmon is salmon. I thought salmon was a color that, like, no, it's the same word. Oh, it is. Yeah, from mm-hmm. the uh, color of the flesh, actually. Oh. yeah, that's where it comes from. I didn't know that. Salmon is like salmonella. Salmonella. <laughs> salmonella. Oh. <laughs> I hope she ain't cooking up no salmonella. <laughs> no, no, I, she won't. I, I, I do not get that sort of vibe at all. No. no. <laughs> anyway, she made a real good urban crusted salmon. It was delicious. I know oh, that's right. It. Yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about um, your salvation. Mm. So there had to be a moment in your life, whenever, whether I don't know if it was at home or if it was at church or wherever, but you know, I tell me tell me about that process. Was it, was that, it Mama saying when you're gonna when you're gonna? Um, or was it Grandma? Not not really, because like I said, we've always known about Jesus. So to me, it was never a sense of I had to make a declaration mm-hmm. because it was like. It was a given. Yeah. Um, but I can remember growing, you know, going in the school, Sunday school, and I had a fear of, believe it or not, I had a fear of talking. No way. 
Imagine she, she that. was a radio host for years on, on the radio. So <laughs> I, I, I really truly had a fear of talking because I just felt like with so many people in the house, it's like you never get a word in edgewise. So I just reserved myself to just not talk. Right. As you know, as a little girl. And I can recall a very vivid memory of my grandmother saying something to the effect of, you got to accept Jesus as your savior. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's a given. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a given and it it was like, no, you have to personally say you want to be saved. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I want to be saved. She's like, (laughs) 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 you know, you tell a kid, you got to say something like, they're just going to repeat what you said. But she said, no, you have to want to. This is not because I'm telling you this, but because you want to. Yeah. And I didn't really understand for a while. And I can remember at, um, I think I might have been eight years old, I remember telling our pastor that I wanted to get baptized. Mm-hmm. And he was like, do you want to get baptized or you want to get baptized because everybody else is getting baptized? And I said, I think I want to get baptized. And from that point on, there was a question asked by my mom, you know, everybody that heard me say that. So do you know who Jesus is? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, he's the guy you guys keep telling us about that we need to pray to every day if something goes wrong. And it's like, no, yeah, th- there's more to him than that. Mm-hmm. So I think at that, at eight years old, my journey started of wanting to know him, but not really wanting him, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew I had to know him in order for me to achieve the relationship that I saw my mom and dad have. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you asked my dad a question. His, his thing is, well, let's see what the Bible says. It's like, all I want to know is I can turn the heat on high or low. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't need a scripture for what that, did do the Bible I? Say? Right, what, right. Everything was, <laughs> it was right to the Bible. It's like, well, well, you have an attitude. Let's see what the Bible says. So you can either be cold or hot, but not lukewarm. Tonight you're going to be cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like exactly. that, I turn it that down. the family all asked her. I mean, you, you get that the pastor's going to ask. But the fact that a mom and dad and grandma and everybody else says, "Do you know?" and then, "Well, no, let's let's let, let's make sure that you know." Yeah. Because a lot of families would say, "Oh yeah, my baby wants to get baptized. Okay, I'm going to tell all the neighbors my baby getting baptized." <laughs> well, no, no, your mom and dad are like, "Well, come on, let's sit down and let's talk and about this." And then we did. It was like a discussion of, "Okay, why do you want to get baptized?" And it was like, "Because I guess I need to know Jesus." Yeah. You know, and as my understanding, growing up Baptist in the South, you know. Fire, hair, brimstone. I mean, you look at someone wrong, you're going to hell. You say something off color, you're going to hell. It's like, no matter what you did, you are going to hell. So <laughs> think I think of something, I'm going to hell. I'm going <laughs> to hell, exactly. <laughs> Why so am I'm I getting like, out of bed? I'm going to do this. What do I need to do to not go to hell? You know, because <laughs> right. we, we heard about hell. And um, so I, I knew I, I had to have that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and I think at that time, I felt like, okay, I think I'm young enough to understand, but not quite. That's one of the things that I've – see, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I was raised in an atheist household. And so whenever I started going to church later in life and I learned – I know a lot of people that were raised in Christian homes. In fact, my pastor was raised in a Christian home, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, he he never he never saw the bad side of life, so how could he really understand what life is like for you and things like that? And um, I remember Brian Coates saying, well, Jesus never sinned, so that's a bad argument. <laughs> you know, because, mm-hmm. well, good point. Mm-hmm. But you also want to say, well, 
you know, at least come from my perspective, like know what life is like whenever you don't have Christ and, mm. you know, you've got alcohol and drugs and all the problems and an absence of belief in the household. And, you know, uh, there was no evil, there was no good spirits, none of it. Right. And so for you, I can, to me, I think it's harder for believers who, who raised their children in that household to me, it seems like it's harder. Like I think Sarita, you know, like the way she's described raising her kids, like to me, I think you did a wonderful job, but I also think it's because you also in your life didn't grow up in that type. You went to church and stuff, but you yourself had said, like you had a time when you were away from the church and you were doing those things and then you got saved late in life, right? But there are some people that were just like raised in the church and never come out of it. Like that's all they know and they've never really done anything wrong. And I think that's hard for them. You know, I've, I heard a, a preacher say one time, God doesn't have any grandchildren. I can't wait to meet mm. this person that's never done anything wrong. I know. Yeah. I was when is say, that person coming on? Just, I just, you know, I, I know no, like I think seven my daughter, of them, seven people that. <laughs> <laughs> See, my yeah, daughter survived the flood. <laughs> <laughs> my daughters say, though, I don't really have a testimony because they haven't had an abortion and come out of that or been a drug addict and come out of that mm-hmm. or. They've grown up in church. They got saved when they were four or five years old. They got baptized when they were seven after we sat down for and discipled them for many years before baptism. Mm. And so. And, and you know, funny you should mention that because when he asked me about a testimony, he, you're not the first one that says we need to talk about your testimony. And my thing is because I haven't had anything to me that I felt like I've survived where there's a testimony of, oh my God, yes, I was, you know, someone hooker on the side of the road and <laughs> the Lord came and said, you gotta be, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't have that kind of a testimony. Why so, are you looking at me when you say hooker on the side <laughs> of the road? Because <laughs> you just came from Atlanta, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. What Can't you bring don't want to do is start a conversation with me that you ain't ready to have because there's never That's why a quiet you a hooker, moment. hooker. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of hookers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Carter just got in. Oh, sorry about all, yeah. <laughs> sorry about all that traffic. Uh, so, Kim, this is Rick Carter, Big hey, Daddy Kim. Carter, we call him. How you doing, Rick? Good. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. So, Yay. yeah. So, I get what you're saying about your testimony. You know, you're like, you you you, you weren't a hooker. You didn't, you weren't a drug addict. You you didn't have these problems. So, you know, I've had a lot of people that I've asked to come on, you know, for testimonies. And they're like, oh, well, I, you know, I got saved when I was five. I don't really have much of a testimony. And yeah. Like, I mean, because. I look at my, I have, like I said, I have five older sisters Mm -hmm. and I look at their lifestyle Mm -hmm. and they were the one that deterred me from doing anything wrong because (laughs) what they got, I didn't want any of it. Right. You know, so I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to go down that path. So to me, I don't, not that I live up, don't, please don't think I did everything right. Trust yeah. me and my... Yeah, I Andy. Not, yeah. Yeah. I am She's not, not perfect, okay? Oh, I was not under the impression that she was perfect. <laughs> the, the water I walk on is in the bathtub. <laughs> um, but no, but I just, I felt like my life has nothing where I would have said I've been changed. I'm this wonderful person. And as you mentioned that, you know, your daughter says, I haven't done anything. It's like, when he asked me, I said, Lord, I know a testimony is not about me. It's about you and mm-hmm. the things that he has done in my life. So I said, I, I I can't really think of anything that I could say that would help someone if they listen to the podcast. They would say, oh, my God, I can relate to that. So he just, what he gave me was just tell people the same thing that it was told to you. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with me is based on 
the mercy and the grace that I give to each individual. Every one of us is given a a a, a, a measure of grace. A measure of grace. So, so my testimony that I would share with anyone it would be more or less: I just love the fact that God has brought me to where I am today in a sound mind, and I can sit across from someone and talk to them about Jesus, and it wouldn't bother me one iota. You can't deter me from saying, "Well, you know, Jesus was really not really real." It's like, yeah, well, in your world, maybe not, but in mine, this is how I feel. So, if for me. To speak of him in a testimony aspect, it has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's more or less I just share the love that he has shown me mm-hmm. as well, an individual. But I think that does speak to a certain group of people because I had a similar situation in that I just thought it was a given. But there are probably people out there that they were raised that way and they thought it was a given. And like you, they got into the real world and then other people acted a different way. And then maybe they took a left turn. But listening to you, maybe they can say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to go back that way. Maybe that is the right way. So, you know, you could turn heads that you, that you because there's somebody out there that grew up the way you did that took a left turn, and maybe you get them to turn a, around. Or you could tell us all the ooey-gooey details about what your sisters did so wrong. Oh, my. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Mm. I don't know. Oh, That's another podcast. That's somebody else's testimony. Sorry, listeners. That's my story to tell. And so how about you have, a, you have a point there because, you know, like the young man said, I'd like to meet that person who's never done anything wrong. And in my mind, since I have nub, never done anything, well, let's put it this way. Since my sin is not as bad as his sin, then I feel like I've done everything right. Well, yeah. I, I just, if you could just explain to me how to learn from the mistakes of others, I feel like that'd do me a great deal of good. I just watch people <laughs> yeah, true. get in trouble. Isn't it? Just yeah. watch what, like you said, just watch what people have to deal with and you think to yourself, do I want to go down that path? Right, Because I look at my life and think, I, I don't want to be a smoker or a drinker because I saw my uncles, I saw my aunt, I saw my sisters, I saw my brothers go down a path of smoking and drinking. And it's like, they just don't look the same. They mm-hmm. don't act the same. I can't relate to them. The stories they tell me, and it's like, okay, I'm going to go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So I chose not to go down the path. It doesn't make me a better person. I just saw something I didn't like. You saw and the I consequences. You learned. Yeah. Well, I could do the drinking thing so long as I could sleep for 24 hours and wake up the next day. Because waking up <laughs> yeah. the next, the morning after, just not the right. Just not the right Ooh. thing. So, so after you graduated high school, what happened? Where'd you go? Um, I graduated high school, 86, and I kind of, thought I wanted to be a nurse. I went to college and I did that. And it's like my best friend and I, I said, you know, I don't think I want to do this. And she's like, okay, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. So my older sister, who's an insurance, she was an insurance agent. And I said, I'm going to do insurance because with insurance, it brought me to a point where I could actually dress up instead of just looking like a boy. I was like, okay, I need to let everybody know I'm not one a boy. <laughs> Two, I'm not a lesbian. So, therefore, I had to revamp myself. Mm-hmm. So, I got into the insurance industry right out of high school. I said, let me back up. I met my husband, this one, when I worked at Burger King at 19. He swore I was 20, but I know I was 19. And it didn't work out. So, I decided I was going to do a whole different thing. And that's when I got into insurance. I left the fast food industry and started working in the insurance industry at 20. And um, so I did that for 17 years. Hmm. And I just stayed in the insurance industry and I just decided this is what I'm going to do. Um, but out of high school, it 
more or less transferred me, transported me into thinking I wanted to be a mother and a wife, but then it's like, but I don't want to deal with a the husband. husband aspect of it. <laughs> So, I want to be a wife, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. Can you live next door? <laughs> I know. Can we have like a house, the apartment? You have a door that goes, you know. But <laughs> you know, like what, the kings and queens used to do. Yeah. They used to have yeah, separate bedrooms. But it, it just. It, it, <laughs> I will see you Saturday, Saturday night. night. <laughs> <laughs> no sooner, no later. And you wonder, um, and you wonder why people only hit, took baths on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honey, it's time for you to leave. I'm learning so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but at high school, I I kind of knew I didn't want to be in the nursing field and I knew I wanted to be in the insurance because I saw my older sister who was very you know successful in my eyes um in the insurance industry so I went that route and I stayed there but um during that time of working in the industry I met my son's father and I was 22 no 21 and I was I moved out of my parents' home, moved in with him, was going to church. I came home one Sunday. I said, I can't live with you unless you marry me. Hmm. And he said, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, 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 we have to get married. And it didn't happen right away. And then when I found out I was pregnant, he goes, okay, we can get married. I was like, no, I'm not going to marry you because I'm pregnant. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's like, no, that's not why. I'm like, well, that's what I feel because before, when I wasn't pregnant, you wasn't gonna, you didn't say, you said, ah, oh, okay. So, but, um, so, I, I, I literally stumbled for probably three or four years dealing with not being married and having a child. And how did that line up with your family's values, if you will? It did not. Um, after I talked to my, after I told my mom that I was pregnant, she she was like, "Okay, but you got to remember, I have five older sisters, so she's been they down weren't this, surprised, yeah, okay. she's been down this road before." Okay, um, so, I also have five older sisters, <laughs> so she was like, "Okay," and I said, "I said, but I'm gonna marry, I'm gonna marry Mark," and she's like, "Okay," I said, "But not right now," you know, it was like I I asked. He asked me, and I said no, because I'm thinking he was wanting to marry me because I was pregnant. And she's like, well, whatever. Um, but it didn't sit well with her, but she knew I had to go through what I had to go through because she had done her part. You know, you know, she'd raised her kids, and, you know, she told us the story of your relationship with Christ is going to be based on your relationship with Christ. I've done my part. I can't bring you any further. You know, I can continue to pray for you. And hopefully what I learned growing up, it would, you know, carrying through my adult life. Um, so she was like, you know, do what you think is best for you. And um, so we, I did wind up marrying my son's father and, and was married for 12 years. Um, and I would say during that time, I grew a lot in my spiritual walk because he grew up Catholic. And he was Italian. Again, she's looking at me when she says Catholic. And you were he Catholic. was and Italian. Italian. <laughs> and Italian. And Italian. Oh, and that's some more. he was 14 yeah. years older than the I. Ralph's one of those Oklahoma Italians. Make it a spaghetti. <laughs> Ragu. Y'all, y'all were talking over her and missed that little nugget. What did she say? Uh-huh. He was Italian, Catholic, and fourteen years older than she. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so got me. She so got me a two out of three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and. 
it you know it, that dynamic in into my starting adulthood mm-hmm. you know it it kind of left my mom okay i'm not mentioning my dad but i love my dad but my dad had and i had a love hate relationship yeah i love the fact that he was a provider but he wasn't the man that he portrayed in the public mm. at home so i just that's a whole nother podcast yeah 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 um so those dynamics played into, you know, my growing and my spiritual walk. And then on top of that, the fact that he lived in Florida, 90% of his family, well, all of his family lived in upstate New York. He didn't want to tell them about me. Because let me see, Catholic, Italian, 14 years older than I, <laughs> no, hold and on. here I Bassy am. white? He's What's Italian. He like? He's Italian. According Italian. to society, he falls under. There's no such thing well, as a black Italian. There he is, but not from upstate New York. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, they would not. Are no, you say, saying so upstate w- like one hour north of North City, or are you talking upstate like really upstate, like upstate, above above Buffalo? Above. He lived in in Schenectady. Oh yeah. So yeah, he was upstate. That's kind of near where I'm from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so he was really white. He was the white. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but so I didn't know that. I, just, I didn't want to assume it. So the problem that he that they he didn't want them to know is because you were I was black. You were black. I would and say it's probably because she was Baptist. <laughs> I'm just saying I come from a Catholic family. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. that it was the Baptist. No, yeah. I'm like notably dark where I'm from. Really? Yeah. But here's wow. the funny thing. Good enough to like mention. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah prob- they, they probably like you more than they like him. They're racist towards you. No, <laughs> no, not quite like that. Right. Yeah. Very few people with this complexion, and it's not exactly dark. Yeah. yeah. But the funny thing about that was his dad was Italian to the point of he was almost black, but his mom was German. Hmm. And so his dad was treated in a way, you know, because he wasn't white, but he wasn't black, but he was darker skinned. And as he kind of tried to explain to me over the years, because it, it is a couple of years before I actually met his family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it was kind of hard for me to say, well, knowing what your dad went through with your family, why would you portray, you know, mm-hmm. allow that? And he couldn't really give me a good explanation. And I would say probably our third year into our relationship, and he said, well, I need to let you know something about my grandmother, his mom's mom. And I said, okay. He goes, well, she was actually part of the clan. Oh, wow. So that was one of the main reasons that scared him so to bring me in. I think with his dad being Italian but not quite black, but his skin was still dark enough, it it gave them that, well, he's not black. So I'm okay with that. Well, yeah, in the Latin culture— I was a Spanish major. The Latin culture, uh, Spanish people, Portuguese, Italians, it's called swarthy. You wouldn't say that they're black. black. It's that swarthy. It, they're dark skin, dark eye, dark hair. Think whatever you think about. And they don't like, have the features of an African-American person, so they don't have— They have these, Anglo features, but the dark coloring. Like yeah. Egyptian. Kind of. Hmm. So, but he, um, you know, he— that was he it did explain that was one of the main reasons he did not want to bring me so was she still alive yes oh yes she was still alive and and 
that's why you know I did tried. You meet her? Oh yeah. Are you kidding? How did it go? You had to, then. Uh, You're like driving no, this That connecting. was like, we're going to New York, and guess where we're going first? <laughs> That's I right. want to see Hi, Grandma. Grandma. <laughs> so, guess, you met guess her. who's for supper? Have you seen my grandbaby? Big old southern hug. Your yeah. great-grandbaby. I am not shy about... Look, I said I was a quiet child. <laughs> I was never a quiet adult. <laughs> <laughs> Flowers bloom. Yes. And the, and the thorns came with it. Um, but, no, I... You know, I, I just felt like at that time, and I said, you know, and I shared to him, I said, you know, I could have biased opinions of white people because my grandmother was born in 1898. Mm. She lived in the South. So, and growing up, I would see white people come over to her home. You know, she was away, but I would see them come over to, and they would still bring clothes and whatnot, and they would bring the kids over. And it was like, you know, you're thinking... Well, we're 1978, 1980, you know, we're like, but this still happened because that was her upbringing. So I, and the story she would tell me, I mean, I'm going to share this one story with you guys about her sister. Her sister and her, and I think she had two brothers that she's aware of. Um, Yeah, because my uncle lived right next door to her. Um, But her sister, her second older sister, had nine children by one of the plantation owner's son. And she could only keep the ones that were light-skinned. Oh, wow. She had nine children, but she only had two of them. And I had an uncle. I Where if, were the rest? Where did the rest? Th- no, we have no idea. And my grandmother talked about that. She said, one day she would see them, next day she would not see them. Ancestry DNA. I bet if you, know you did what? all it's that not, kind of stuff. To me, it's not important because it was part of their lives. At, for You know, I, I really care not to know, just to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, um, you'd have no time to actually kind of catch up with any similarities. Um, or? No, because I have an uncle that has a whole family tree, and that's what he does. <laughs> his own tree. He has <laughs> his own thing because he wanted to know because he, you know, he's military and he has that background of— I, I have to know. Gotcha. Um, but I just, for me, I really don't care to know. That's cool. But I have an uncle. I had an uncle. He's deceased now. If he walked into this room, you would not have told me he was not a white guy. Mm. He had the blue eyes, the straight hair, the complexion, but he was my aunt's son. Right. Wow. And he was one of the ones that she was able to keep. Wow. And he grew up and he had such a, his testimony would probably just, oh my gosh. I actually had a chance to talk with him once, and he just shared some of the hardship he felt from both sides. Sure. You know, being He felt that pressure from both sides. Both sides, he wasn't because white, he, he wasn't, wasn't black. white, and he wasn't black. So it was like, I, I just kind of looked at him, and I thought, mm. But getting back to my husband, and I, my ex-husband, I, and I used to look at him, I said, I am not going to go down that road with him. And allow someone else to make me feel a certain way because of their thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I was determined to meet the grandmother. And and I made it known to him. I, I want to meet everyone. Unfortunately, his father had already passed. Um, but his mom, of course, and her mom. And his dad's relatives were not in the picture. There was no... 
aunts or uncles that he knew of that we could meet. But I, I was determined to meet the grandmother because I wanted her, not out of spite or anything, but I just wanted her to know your thoughts of what you think of people like me is so off base. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted, I just wanted her to have that peace before she went home, before she was taken from this world, if she wanted to repent or say, forgive me or not to me, but just, you know, have that conversation with God. I felt like I needed to give her that. Oh, wow. And he was like, you don't even, I said, it's not even a matter of, I don't know her, but I just felt like I needed to give her that. Yeah. Like you could be the representative of the entire yeah, black I, race for her just, at the end of her life. Just something just to say, I'm sorry the, to or, Look me in the eyes and know that I'm a person. No, I'm a human. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know what it was, but I just felt like I needed her to have that release. Yeah. And I think his mom felt that way because of how she treated her husband, being that he was of dark complexion. Mm. And she really, you know, it was her daughter. And he, she, from the stories I got, that she really disowned her for at least three or four years wow. after she started dating his dad. Mm. And I said, that's a lot of hate to take, you know— to the to grave. Yeah. yeah. So. So you met her. Did did it work out like you'd hoped or? Um, here's the thing. <laughs> that's a, that's that, a auspicious start. <laughs> that, that's a, how am I about to phrase this? <laughs> now, how I want to put this where it comes out where it, it, it makes sense to the point where when I, okay. So we're living in Florida. He says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to drive to New York, upstate New York. And we're going to stay at my sister's. Now, his sister and I just hit it off like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're a human being, whatever. Um, and we're going to stay at my sister's. And then we're going to kind of have a surprise birthday party for my grandmother. And we're going to bring you in. I'm like, uh-uh, no, we ain't doing that. I'm not the surprise gift. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so Grandma has a heart attack. I, <laughs> <laughs> like, you killed Grandma. You killed Grandma. Congratulations. You just killed my grandmother. Um, so I, I, I said, no, I would rather meet her before the party because if there's anything that needs to be said, I don't think it needs to be said in front of everybody, you know, because I know how I would react. If, you know, she said something off color, it was like, on and popping. I wasn't even going to worry about, right. <laughs> you know, look, I, whatever. So he says, well, let me talk to my mom and we'll see about, you know, getting you guys together. And she, her, his mom thought it was not a good idea because she felt she would be more calm around a group of people versus just being me and her and him and her. So needless to say, I didn't get a chance before the party, but God said, ah, we're still going to have this meeting. <laughs> I'm at his sister's. She calls the house. I answer the phone. Now, here's the backdrop of that. His ne- nephew has a girlfriend. Her name is Kim also. So I answer the phone, and she says, this is, I'm trying to think, was it Catherine? I think she went by Kathy. This is Kathy. I say, oh, hi, this is Kim. She said, Kim? I said, yes. She goes, oh, is Maria around? I said, no, she's actually outside. I said, but I can grab her for a minute. She goes, no, just tell her to call me back. So when his sister came in, I said, your grandmother called, and she wants you to call her back. So she gets on the phone, and and I'm in the other room, and I'm hearing her say, no, that was Kim. She goes, no, that wasn't, you know, I can hear the conversation on this end. She goes, no, the other Kim. 
<laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, so she thought I was a girlfriend, you know, that she had met. nephew, yeah. And here I am, Kim, too. And she goes, no, that wasn't Kim. So, and my, I can hear my sister-in-law saying, well, are you going to see her tonight at, at the party? And she comes and she goes, did you answer the phone? I said, yeah, you were outside. I was in the house and the phone rang, so I answered. She goes, well, she, she thought you were Kim. I said, yeah, I am. She goes, no, Kim, the other Kim. I said, oh, Aaron's Kim. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, so that was the conversation. Oh, no, that was the other Kim. So anyway, um, it so she was like, well, don't worry about it. We, you know, we're going to do the party thing and, you know, we're going to introduce you. So we actually get to the party. There were like 10 people. And of course, I'm the only person of color. And we walk into this home and the grandmother's sitting there. And of course, I walk in with Mark and his mom and his sister. And he says, Nana, this is Kim. And she looks at me and she goes, Okay. She goes, that's not Kim. I said, no. I said, my name is Kim. I am from Florida, and you spoke with me on the phone earlier today. And she looks at her grandson. She says, why are you introducing me to this black girl? (laughs) Now, mind you, I thought she... (laughs) I thought she was going to say the N-word because I was ready. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know. It's just how you said it. <laughs> well, it's better than, hey, the food goes over there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it Jeez. was like, and so I said, because I have his son, yeah, your grandson. Hmm. And she looks at me and she goes, I don't have any. She actually used the N-word. Hmm. Children in my family. Shut your mouth. So you do now. Wow. So his mom, because she hadn't had a love hate relationship, because she kind of sensed what she was getting from her was a repeat of what she gave to her husband, his mm-hmm. dad, because he was not, you know, the blonde hair, blue eyed guy. Aryan German race. Yeah. So she kind of like said, you Didn't know, we fight a war over that. I'm- um, I don't. Over the Aryan Ger- German race? Yes. Nazis? The, yeah, did. Nazis, exactly. Um, she said, and his mom just said, you know, we're going to do two things. You know, I said Eleanor, his mother's name was Eleanor. Eleanor was pretty calm about the situation because it wasn't her first rodeo. And she kind of braced herself, you know, either way. Um, but she said, I, I, I don't, I don't think we, we're going to stay. And her mom was like, what do you mean? It's my birthday party. You, you can't. I'm your mother. She goes like, ah, no, we're not going to stay. So, how, how much of this are you prepared for mentally? I I was kind of prepared for it more so than I thought because for one, because I can't imagine. Like I cannot. Right. Well, I, what I looked at it. This is how I looked at it. From her, she was already close to her eighties, and my mindset was this is way. This is how she was brought up. And I cannot expect someone to change their thought process just because sure. I entered their life, you know. Sure. But I knew God had a plan for her. And I was the tool he was choosing to use. So the thought process for me was, I'm not going to give her what she's already thinking of black people. The angry black woman, you know, the, you know, you're not intelligent. You can't hold the conversation. You can't, you know, exactly. The snapping the fingers, the rolling the head and, you know, it's whatever. 
And Hold I just, my weave. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just thought. You disarm them. I'm going to give her something different. And it wasn't even kindness. I just chose not to engage in the, her thought process of what she thought of people of color. Mm-hmm. And I think her mother kind of sensed that. And she said, yeah, we're not going to hang out. And, you know, she may have kept, you know, getting her little digs in or whatever, but we don't know because we didn't stick around. We didn't give her that opportunity to do that. And funny thing is, I think like three or four months later, I actually moved up to upstate New York. Hmm. We lived in Latham. And she lived in Schenectady, which was probably 30 minutes away from each other. So, family gatherings, guess who was always at the dinner table? Remember the movie, Guess Who's Coming for Dinner? Yeah. yeah. That was me. You were the Sydney Portier of the family. I was the Sydney Portier of the family. <laughs> and over time, I got to spend three years with this lady. And over time, she wasn't, she didn't cozy up to me, but she asked the hard questions. Like what? Well, how come black people do this? You know, it was, it was, you know, I'm telling you, I believe God intentionally put me in situations with people, non-melanin people, to get those questions asked. Because I don't come across as a typical black person. Because mm-hmm. there's that, what's the word I'm looking for? Stereotype <laughs> yeah. of how black people are, especially black women. So when I come across Older white women, I always get that question. You know, I have this one question I've been meaning to ask someone, but I never had a chance because I didn't know who, you know. It's like, okay, what is it? And and it's always something that I'm bringing my load of scrutiny <laughs> right to your door. Right to your, exactly. I'm actually trying to think of some questions to ask her before she leaves. <laughs> but, it, but it was always a question of because they grew up saying don't. And engage with black people because they're they're going to say this or they're going to do this. They're going to harm you. They're going to, you know. And I actually had one lady actually ask me. I, I kid you not. She says, she goes, can I ask you a question? And I kind of brace myself because it's always whenever I see an old white woman coming, it's like, okay. Yeah. They're going to either want me to do something or they have a question to ask. And I'm like, okay, I'm bracing myself. But at least you could bake her a pie. <laughs> a chocolate pie. Oh, geez. sweet potato. The yeah, help. no, the a, help. I have a special pie. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, that was my and, favorite part of that movie. She just wanted to know. She says, "Do black women really get mad at anything?" And I thought it was kind of strange. I'm like, is that a stereotype? It is because we are looked at as an angry black women. It's because they thinking if we have an opinion and there's that sassiness about us. You know, the rolling of the head sometimes or, you know, we get like plant our feet and it's like it's going to take a mountain to move me. You can't say anything to me. It's going to make me whatever. Right. And she's I said, you know, it's not so much as that we are angry. It's that we have to hold ourselves to a certain standard when we are around certain people. And then it just gets very tiring. Mm -hmm. So, no, we're not angry. We're tired. I said, now that you asked me this question, I'm going to let my hair down and say to you, why are you guys so freaking scared of white, of black people? <laughs> she goes, well, well, my mom. I said, see, see, you have to stop thinking, you know, you're a grown woman now. And what you were taught as a child, you need to say, okay, I need to rethink my Yeah, put away process. childish things, yeah. Thank well, you. Well, I think mm-hmm. as, a, as a, another woman in the room and Cherry, if we 
speak our mind or we are just in general a little bit more aggressive because sometimes we have to be, we're called bitch. I mean, you're a bitch, but then you have the angry black woman on top of that because anytime a woman holds her ground and it Notice makes, that she didn't call you a black bitch. I did, did you not, notice that? I noticed that. <laughs> and I would have been, no, been okay with it, too. <laughs> but, and when it intimidates men, when, mm. we, when we are that way, some men who are insecure about themselves, mm-hmm. it intimidates them. They call us the B word. B, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, but I don't have the melanin in my skin to where I also am the angry black B word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, that's just a, another layer yes, yes, heaped some, on top I, of it. That and just, you know, like I said, been, been angry, the angry black woman. It's like, I can't just be angry. I got to be the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't just be uh, a black woman. I have to be a stereotypical, you know, baby mama, you know, probably a drug addict. Or It's like there's so many things I, I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's so many things I am on top of being a woman. So, did you ever, at any point with this grandmother, did you guys ever come to, like, some sort of a, I mean, you felt like God was, you know, put you in her life. Did you have some sort of resolution? I didn't have anything to resolve. Um, Or did she? If she did, I was unaware of it. Mm. But I think the fact that the one time she asked about me. Yeah. She was opening up. She there was a, there a was a function, and I wasn't there for some reason. And I was told that you know she asked about you. So to me, I felt like she had gotten something. She was used to you. That could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always the life of the party anyway. So it was like whenever there was something gathering, I was always loud. So you didn't <laughs> so. feel though, intim not intimidated because I never see you as being intimidated, but awkward. In a situation like that, with, with seeing her judging you across the room or knowing that she's looking at you, if any, if I turn angry one single time, I'm going to perpetuate that stereotype. Did you, you know ever- what? I think I purposely did not give her that opportunity because I, 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 even to this day, I walk into a situation where I find myself being the only person of color and I have this demeanor about myself. It's like, you're not going to make me feel any kind of way. That because I'm here. Like a straight jacket. Was, sounds like you're say, wearing a straight exhausting. jacket for your entire life. That sounds so exhausting. It, it is because I can't walk into a room and feel like I'm just here. I feel like sometimes I walk into a room, it's like, and I look around, it's like, okay, where is, and I intentionally look for people that look like me. And it, I, I'm not going to use the word unfortunate, but the fortunate part about my life being married to two white guys. If it's not my family members, I'm never around black people. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, when I go anywhere, I'm used to it now. But it, when I go somewhere, I kind of search the room to look for something familiar. Yeah. And I, if I don't see it, then I say to myself, but that doesn't mean that everyone in here is not used to being around a black person. So I have to step back and say, don't think that because you're the only black person here that they have never had experience of being around the black people. So I have to come into the room with the attitude of, yeah, I'm here. I know I don't see anyone that looks like me, but it's all good. Well, you know what? I mean, it's the same for me. I mean, we talked about this. My uncle is black, you know, and um, I've said in the past, you're like, I I was racist and I didn't even realize that I was racist. And so, and I learned that whenever, you know, after AJ become a part of my family, if I walked into a room with 10 black men, 
there's nothing familiar for me either. And so what you might see in me is when I start talking to them is I might start trying to act like them or talk like them. Like all of a sudden I start sounding like I'm from the hood when I'm really not. To have a connect. To try to have a connect, to Mm -hmm. to try to find that thing that's normal, Mm -hmm. right? And they recognize it. Like stupid little white boy, you know what I mean? And I'm around all them like, okay, I know, I get it. Now I'm not. Now I'm really not. Like I finally got to that place in my life where I'm just like, I'm okay. I'm comfortable with my mm-hmm. skin. I don't think that you're going to hurt me. And if you do, I trust God yeah. more than you and anyone else. So I'm good. Like I'm good now, but I wasn't for a long time. It took and, me a long time. And that was the thing because I was always me, even when I wasn't around people that looked like me. Mm-hmm. But I think I was more outside of me around people that didn't look like me because I wanted them to make sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm safe, you know. And it was like, it wasn't my job to make them to feel safe. And after I realized that, I was like, you know, whatever. If you can't handle me as me, then that's not my problem. So I've learned that over the years because my husband tell you quick, when we're out somewhere, I, as a matter of fact, our first date, I walked, we walk into this restaurant on the beach in Florida. And off to the corner of my eye, I see this two white guys sitting there. And they just like. <coughs> so I turned around and said. <laughs> what? <laughs> For those who couldn't see it, she held her arms out yeah. like, what like, is your deal? I'm yeah. right here. Yeah. My husband like, what? I said, he goes, what? I said. Uh, you do you see the, do you know them? He's like, no. I'm like, well, they're staring at us like they know us. Do yeah. they, you have a question? <laughs> do I look familiar? And he's like, well, maybe they just think you're cute. I said, well, then smile. That sounds exactly like something <laughs> Warren would say. He's you know, so disarming. He is very disarming. Really and I is. am like, pick up the sword and let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, I, and I and I have that persona when I find myself in a room and someone looks at me. It's like I immediately go to that. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Because they just may see me and think, okay, she doesn't look scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she seems like she's calm. So, And I don't want to give them that little edge like, see, I knew she was going to flip out. Because well, that's what black women do. They just crazy and they just like crazy. You well, know? what about now? Like, so, you, you know, you met Warren how many years ago? Was that 20 years ago? 20 years ago. So how about now? When you when you got well, I'm just saying. When you guys walk into a restaurant, do you still have people stare at you? Yeah, you still do even now. Yeah, because I know I look good. Yeah, <laughs> you do no. look remarkable. I mean, oh, you, let's yeah. just be real. I mean, no. she's in retirement age. Well, not quite. You're not quite to retirement age yet. I'm closer no, no. to sixty than I am fifty. Yeah, but you're closer so, to sixty. But you look younger nickel. than me. Uh-oh. Do what? Double nickel. Oh, double nickel. Fifty-five. Fifty-five. Yes. Eh, close, but mm. I'm not. I'm older. Ah. Uh-huh. Closer. You said eighty. You graduated in eighty six. I graduated eighty one. So yeah. I was just doing the math. Yeah. yeah. But close. But they still do it even today because yeah. I've noticed. Like to me, and I think because now, and I, I really do truly believe this because I think my husband has that look. Don't mess with me. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's at the age now. He's like, you know what? If you even think you're gonna come and say something off kilter, and I'm ready. Yeah. So I think his his persona has changed when he walks into the room. With me. <coughs> I'm more or less, you know, oblivious, and he's like. And let's just be honest. You did move to the mountains of Western North Carolina. Well, yeah, yeah, which it was like, might be the whitest place on the planet. <laughs> no, Minnesota was. Yeah. Oh, she did oh, live yeah, in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, that's true. I've wow. been to Minnesota. I moved to Minnesota. Minnesota. Bless your heart. Yeah. You betcha. It's cold yeah, up there, you betcha. bro. It's it's don't you and, know? And the town I lived in, it was called Still Whiter. 
Oh, oh gosh. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I moved to Stillwater, which is yeah. a walk across the Madison, the bridge to Madison, Wisconsin. So that's, you know, you were up there. And my son went to Stillwater High School, the only two African-American kids there. And so, and the guy I work for, he goes, you know what they call this place, right? I'm like, no. He goes, it's called Still Whiter. <laughs> Not no more now. <laughs> because it gets, he says, he says it gets whiter and whiter every year. And it was true. There was not many people of color in that town. So whenever I would go anywhere, I, I, people look at you. It, are you lost? Is there something right. I can help you with? And, yeah. you know, and the fact that I was in now in my 30s is like, you know what? If you got a question, just ask me. If you got something you want to say, just say it. You know, I, I'm so over it now. Yeah. But it to now, like I said, it still happens. But my husband, I think he's more or less like ready to fight. Yeah. He's like, I am so over these people. It's like, honey, just let them be. They don't yeah. say anything. I, we can't control what a person says or think. When you step in my space, it's on. Yeah, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. let's let's bring it up to the present now. So I, I knew you. Um, of course, Warren has built pretty much every website I've ever had with WKM Media Services. And then um, he helped me with my films, like making the DVDs, like the whole nine yards. He did he did a lot of that for us. Oh, is that who that is? That's Warren. Oh, yeah. I know that name. Now I know who you are. Yeah. And so um, what I remember is when I first met Warren, then you would do this radio show called Just Put It Out There. Mm-hmm. And you would, you know, have like a roundtable. But tell us a little bit about that. I know you're not doing that show now. You've moved on to another show. You're doing like a prayer show now, I think, right? Yeah. But so so tell me like what that was like. Because you were on, was it WGAI mm-hmm. um, AM yep. down in Elizabeth City, right? Yep. So tell us about that program. Um, when we moved here um, in 09, I just kind of wasn't sure. We both weren't sure what we we're going to do because, mm-hmm. you know, we moved here and didn't know anyone. We came here to move his daughter and we drove around and we were kind of in between moving back to Minnesota. And I'm like, I didn't want to move to Florida. And he's like, I'm over Minnesota. So like, so we came here and we kind of drove around with like something hit both of us at the same time. We was like, we can live here. Mm. So that was in 09. Um, I got a job with State Farm he was kind of like not sure if he wanted to get back in electrical because we had our own company in in Minnesota. So he just kind of wasn't sure. Um, and every night I would sit by the window and I would play this radio station because it played the old Southern good gospel music. Mm-hmm. And I missed that, you know, being away from home and then moved from New York and like moved to Minnesota. Now I'm North Carolina. And like, Lord, I just need something familiar. Yeah. And I knew listening to gospel music, that's all we played in our home. Mm-hmm. My dad didn't play that. Rhythm and blues and whatever. It's like, if you want to hear Otis Redding, you better be on somebody's dock of the bay because it ain't happening in this house, <laughs> you know. But um, so I was listening to a radio station one night and the guy on there, he was talking, you know, he was out of Durham. He, he was talking to another guy and, and they started talking about women and our problems. Ah. So I'm like, oh, let me listen to this. So I'm sitting there listening and he made the mistake of saying, if you have a question, call in. Oh, oh yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I grabbed the phone. I didn't care if it was 11 or 5. I'm like, yeah, I actually have a question. Was your mama a woman? Yeah. 
He's like, who is this? Who are you calling? I said, my name is Kim. I'm calling from Asheville. I said, well, actually, I'm outside of Asheville. I said, and I, I'm listening to this conversation. Y'all... Y'all got some women issues. <laughs> He's like, you know, he just kind of, he ran with it. Yeah. And like, he did this for like 20 minutes. It was a dialogue he and I had. And he said, after he, he said, I'm going to hang up, but can you call me back at this number? I'm like, sure. So he calls me back. He goes, I think I want you on my radio show. Uh. I'm like, well, don't. I'm not going to tell you the Lord sent me because the Lord didn't send me to do this radio show. I said, I called because I didn't appreciate the fact that y'all was having this conversation about women with not a woman perspective. <laughs> and he said, um, well, do you, then you be that you be that voice. I'm like, you sure you want to do this? And sure enough, that lasted, believe it or not, eight years. Wow. On Let's Talk Real Life was the name of the radio show. It came on from eight to nine. And I was the only female, and the dialogue was, what's the word I'm looking for? It was very masculine mm-hmm. initially, mm-hmm. and just getting scripture from a female perspective, because, you know, they would talk about, you know, why women would date and then not really want to be with the man if he didn't have certain whatever. And I said, you know, you know what? Eventually, one or two things going to happen. You know, I, you know, I just gave my opinion. And right. It was just like straightforward. And the guy that owned the station, he says, "I've never gotten a call from FCC until about two months ago." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well, just tell me what I can't say, and I'll run with that." But it, it ran for eight years, and um, at, we can kind of tell it was starting to die down. And the guy that owned the station says, "I, I have a proposal for you." He says, I, I want you to do your own show. I'm like, yeah, but I can't afford to pay you. He goes, don't even worry about it. I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, I want you to have your own show. He says, I want you to pray about it, think about it, talk to your husband, whatever you got to do. I said, okay. And um, so I, I was telling Warren, I said, Mr. G wants me to do a show. He goes, okay, how much it cost? He says, he's covering everything. He says, really? I said, yeah. He goes, well, what are you going to do it? I'm like, uh, I have no experience on the radio, whatever. He goes, just, he goes, you're a natural. Just sit down and talk. And um, so we're kind of tossing names around. And he says, honey, you know what? You just put it out there. You just, I'm like, hey, there that's it the is. name on my show. Just put it out there. And yep. I did that for six years. Mm-hmm. My mom died. And it's like everything just, pfft, I didn't want to talk anymore. Yeah. And. Just August has a of way the, of doing that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, August of last year, God had well before August of last year, God had been on me to, to get back on the radio, and I just kind of kept putting it off. And oh, these people don't want to do this. You know, this show is whatever. And He brought a young lady into my life. She's a minister. She lives in Anderson, and I friended her on Facebook because she had said something, and it just like smacked me in the face. And I commented on it, and we just started you know, becoming friends on Facebook. And I was laying in bed one night and the Lord said, reach out to her and ask her about doing a one-hour show once a month. And I'm like, this lady is a minister. She's an evangelist. She goes all over. I said, she does not have time to do a one-hour show. You know, she just... So he's like, reach out. I said, 
I sent her email. I said, if no is an answer, I'm okay with that. That was the start of my email. <laughs> Not a lot of confidence there. Let's yeah. something done. Ask a busy person. Yeah. So I said, and so I told her, she goes, yes. I said, well, I'll pray about it. She goes, no, I don't have to pray about it because God already told me I was going to be doing radio. Hmm. And I just told him, I don't know anybody that does radio, so I don't know how I'm going to be on the radio. But he told me that. And I said, well, I guess I'm your end to the radio. And August this year, we've been on a year. And we just do prayer. It's called Private Prayer Portal. And basically what people do is send in anything they want us to pray about. And we literally just pray and read scripture and encourage. And it's just, it's I can't believe it's been a year. And it's just. Just we just like doing it. Yeah. And now you've become your father. Well, let's go see what scripture says. Exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whenever there's a problem, well, let's see what the Bible says about this. And I am truly have become my father in that area of my life. So is there is there a way that our audience could go and, and find your show? Like how do how do we find it? Well, we come on every third Tuesday of the month okay. from eight to nine. And you can just go to uh Gregory Gospel okay. Radio right. com. Um, and listen live. You can also go to my website, which is justputitoutthere.org. Okay. And it kind of gives you, I think you can go and listen to my past shows. I'm not sure yet, but you can listen live there also. And the young lady that does it, uh, Kathy Borders, her website is uh, Minister Kathy Borders. And you can listen to her show there, but we're on um, every third Tuesday okay. of the month All right. from eight to nine. And you can send in your prayer request through email at Kim at just put it out there. And you can also go dot to org. Ke- nope. The email is just, it's Kim at just put it out there. There's no dot com or dot org. Not for my email. Oh yeah. Just the email. Okay. And you can also send a Facebook request on Facebook as well. Let's just put it out there. Facebook. So I've we seen just that page. Yeah, we just we just in, enjoy praying for people in situations that, you know, they you know, you remain anonymous. We don't use names or whatever. We just pray about whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. Um and God actually spoke to me the other day. He's I need you. There's a young lady that we've been praying for that just went through a horrific health crisis because she lived in an apartment up above a garage where she was being poisoned. Hmm. from the guy working his cars and keeping the engine running. All those fumes are in her apartment, and it just wreaked havoc on her immune system. And she was in battling this for two years and finally find out why and where it was coming from. She was literally on death's door at 33. Wow. And it's been four months, five months. She's gotten her... She found out what happened. Now she's out of the apartment and she's kind of regrouping. Mm-hmm. And he said, get her on there and have her just talk. Yeah. I'm thinking, we do private prayer. We don't, it's not a talk show. He says, have her on there and just talk. Let her talk. So I'm going to reach out. I haven't even reached out to her. As a matter of fact, I'm sharing now. So this is me saying, okay, Lord, I hear what you're saying. And I'm going to reach out to her and see what she says. But it, it has helped me a lot because yeah. I am... People say, pray for me. It's like, okay, I need to practice. <laughs> Do you feel like your voice is coming back now? You know, you said after yeah. your mom passed, like you didn't you didn't really want to talk? I you really feel like didn't. it's coming back? And I, it's coming back in a sense that I'm, I feel like I'm genuine when I say 
to you. I want to pray with you. Yeah. Before, I was like, I did it out of because you asked. Yeah. And I was like, I really didn't want to. But now I, I genuinely feel like I really want to pray mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. And for people. So it was an obligation, but now you're just doing it because you enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah. I really yeah. thoroughly enjoy it. I just awesome. did that on your name. Is that is the I, and, and I d- didn't get a chance to look at it. Is the color of Asheville? Is that your website? Nope. The color of Asheville is a young lady that walked up to me in Home Depot because I was black. Yeah, <laughs> believe oh. it or not, I, I tell you, this is in Asheville um, on Airport Road. She goes, I just didn't realize there was other black people out here. I'm like, well, I've only been here, like, I think it was two years. She says, I have this website, the color of Asheville. She goes, What do you do? I said. Nothing. <laughs> she goes, well, I just want to find everybody that's black that has a business and we want to get our name out there because it's like you can't really find black-owned businesses in Nashville. It's mm-hmm. sad, but it's true. But she says, I have this website. So, and she, this white guy walks up to her and she goes, oh, this is my husband. I said, oh, I have one of them at home too. <laughs> She's like, what? I said, a white guy. She goes, really? I said, yeah. But Color of Asheville is, is really uh, a tool where it, gives people of color who come into the Asheville looking for other people of color, businesses and things, you know, places they can go and, and you know, for whatever reason, you know, want somebody that looks like them. Yeah, sure. So, but yeah, I'm on that website. I think my radio show was on there too. So it's probably why it came up. Yeah. Well, so. I certainly appreciate you coming all the way out here to share your testimony. Oh, I I actually enjoyed it, you know. I, I didn't care for the traffic, but hey. Yeah. We yeah. got here. That's the bad part about Thursday nights in this area. Anywhere sure. outside of where I live is bad yeah. with traffic. Yeah. I am not used to driving in I miss traffic. You, I miss you over there cuz I still live out in Hooper's Creek. Oh, you do? I do. Yep. I don't live far from the church. I just live right past it now. So I was I'm literally like about a mile from where you used to live. Okay, I got to ask you. Go ahead. Have you been to the vineyard yet? I have not. Across the street from the church? No. Oh, my gosh. Come on, man. Is it good? I don't know. I'm asking you. No, no, no. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't gone because the people in my church will shoot me from across the street. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go on in and take a bottle of wine over to Pastor Philip. <laughs> don't do it. Here you go. Communion's coming up, right? <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. He'll use it to launch his boat. That's yeah. all he'll use that thing <laughs> for. <laughs> anyway. I have a, a girlfriend that's coming into town next month and she's a wine connoisseur and really? i said i am going to take her over there souther is it called souther williams yes souther williams have you been there i have not i live literally right beside rick yeah it's beautiful i know right i mean but no we, i've not went down there my son actually asked me if i had been down there and i said nope i've never been down there i hadn't either no well, i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna tell you guys about it okay yeah, okay, yeah. at least good. somebody do it yeah <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, thank we'll you do for... communion with you. Yeah. Right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, and it's been it's been an absolute blessing. I tell you. Yeah, I want to talk to you some more about that. You know, if you if your voice starts feeling like you want to get out some more, because I know Sarita's going to be doing a women's study sometime, probably at the beginning of next year. And, and who knows? where do you live? Spartanburg. But we do it here. Oh, we do it here. You drive from? Yes, he, he drives, drives from, from Columbia. Columbia. You want to know why? Because the show is killer. It's the bomb. <laughs> you know what? Oh, yeah. Let's go back and listen to, well, I've told my testimony. I, I'm the only one in here that's done it. No. Yeah, I, I, I've done mine. Oh, yes. Not really. We didn't do like a testimony episode. We just talked about our, we've we've shared it on our show, but she did like a full-on episode. Well, I'm going to just put it out there. If the Lord don't tell me to come back here, you won't see my pretty black face again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Oh, Lord, we pray now that <laughs> she be coming back. <laughs> Notice she's looking at me again. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I'm with, I, I went to Atlanta, and I just can't, no. I, so what's the name of your show again? Just put the, it out the, there. No, no, the one that you're doing right now, the prayer portal, what is uh, it? It's private prayer portal. So don't be surprised if you get a private prayer portal email about you doing some sort of a show in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, I got you there. Anyway, but thanks again. Love been you a pleasure. It's been so a glad you're. Oh, it's great to meet you. And I and I will go ahead and give a plug for Warren WKM Media Services. They do amazing work, yes. and uh, he's just gotten better and better and better uh, with with websites. Uh, our website's being updated right now with the store. It's really cool. So, guys, if you need a website, then reach out to to Warren. It's wkmmediaservices.com. and I think yeah, you can get you can find it through there, yes. or you can message us and we'll send you. Send you to him. Maybe he might even give you a, a tiny discount if you mention the Burroughs of Berea. Well, here's the thing about WCAM Media Services. God told us that was a service that we provide for ministry. Yeah. And our heart goes out to ministry. If you are a ministry and you want your word, your Bible, your school, your whatever, we work with ministries mm-hmm. to the point where we almost give our services away because yeah. we know it's something that God has called us to do. Mm-hmm. Now, don't come here talking crying broke because I'm going to look you up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. He's so, always giving me a good deal. Yeah. He always has. He's, and he does a phenomenal job. Just go yeah. look at our website. You'll see. And he, now he has his own server, which makes it crazy fast. I'd it's awesome. It. Well, Rick Carter, I'm glad yeah, you made it. I made it. And Jerry, <laughs> Sarita, Andy, yep. Ralph, Represent. thanks for you guys being here today. And uh, we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burroughs of Bria. See Peace ya. out. Later. Holla. Score that. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burroughs of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. He just needs a break. He does, and it's God's He's an timing. Actor. Yeah, it's my son, my only yes. child. I have four. We have four. We don't have ours. We have his and mine. Right. Um, but my son decided he wanted to pursue acting, and, and yeah, he's I mean, playing he's, Thurgood Marshall. He did a uh, sponsor spot for the college, the university, and he just um, did a speech. And they actually liked the fact that he did the speech so well that they want to do it nationally because it was just for, you know, go to the college website and you hear a speech and then you see the college crew and whatever. So it actually turned out pretty good. So he's excited about that. Now, he's been in, he was on um, NBC's Ordinary Joe. Yes, he did a spot on Ordinary Joe. Um, He's also... New Orleans um, Christmas last year. Yeah, And that was great. He did yes, great in that movie. He was a, in that. Have you ever watched that movie, New Orleans Christmas? It's sort of like a Hallmark, but it was on, was it Lifetime? It was on, it was actually on Hallmark. Oh, it was Hallmark. Yeah. Okay. He uh, did a Hallmark movie. Everything Hallmark is happy. I mean, it's a love story. Of course story. it is. Of course it is. <laughs> but he did <laughs> really why we well. watch it. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good role for him. But yeah, he, he was on there, um, 
They did actually. They said it was was that Keisha Knight Pulliam. Keisha Knight Pulliam. Remember Rudy? Remember Rudy from the Cosby? Cosby Patty Labelle. Well, gosh, I watched that. I'm pretty sure now. Tim Reese. Yeah, because I watched that with her because I loved her growing up. She was my. I wanted to be her. Well, if you saw her in New Orleans Christmas, then you saw. Do you remember when she did when they did the dance? Yeah. Yeah. Night and day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, night, baby. Night. Yeah. Yeah. 